Well, we realize that it has been a long year for some of you. And as we arrive at Christmas, maybe you have all kinds of mixed emotions in your life. And we are hopeful that this experience will be a spark in you. Well, Merry Christmas. We are so glad that you're here. Welcome to the, Chris, to the Crossing. Always an honor to have you here. Well, I'm a collector of nativity sets. Whenever I travel to a foreign country, I try to get a nativity from that country. And so I have nativities from Ecuador, from Colombia, Nicaragua, Cambodia. But my favorite nativity I actually bought in Bethlehem. So how cool is that, that I, I was able to buy a nativity from a local artist who made it there in the city that Jesus was born. Well, Darla bought my grandson, Luca, his own nativity set. Now, I love my grandson. You may not know that I'm a granddad. If you're a parent, this is the reason not to kill your kids. <laughs> but as you can see, I'm not real sure he knows what to do with the nativity, so this is why we bought him his and he doesn't get to play with ours. The nativity, the nativity is a picture of the original Christmas. And you know all of the characters in the nativity. You have baby Jesus at the center, and you have to say it just like that, baby Jesus. You have baby Jesus at the center. You have Mary and Joseph. You have the shepherds. The shepherds, they were the first to receive the announcement of Jesus' birth, and they were the least likely to receive the announcement because they were considered unclean and outsiders, which I think is the point of Christmas, that Jesus is for everyone. Of course, we have the wise men or the magi. Now, we have three of them here, but we don't know whether there was three or 33. We just know that they brought three gifts, the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. And these guys were not actually at the manger scene. Now, I hate to burst your Christmas bubble for you, but they presented their gifts at the house where Jesus was when Jesus was close to two years old. But the nativity looks better with them in it. And so then you have the barnyard animals. Now, you know the story. Mary and Joseph, they go to Bethlehem to register for the census, and when they get there, there is no room for them in the inn, and so they go out to where the animals are taken care of. It was probably a cave that was close by, and that is why they placed Jesus in a manger. A manger was a feeding trough for, for animals. Now, the nativity has been around for a long time. The first nativity dates back to the year 1223 A.D. St. Francis of Assisi is, a credit, is credited with the first nativity. And he set up the manger scene, and he had live animals. He had an ox and a donkey, and he invited all of the people from the village, or the village people, as I like to refer to them, to come and observe this nativity. And then he taught them about the babe of Bethlehem. Well, now you can find them everywhere. I mean, they're on Christmas cards, they're on front lawns, they're on mantles. But here's what I want to talk about today. Is the nativity not only symbolizes the Christmas story, it symbolizes your story as well. See, each of these pieces in the nativity represent pieces of our life. And as you look at the scene, you can't just have the right pieces. They have to be in the right places. Even the animals are looking at Jesus in the center. 
See, for all of us, there is something that is the center or the focus of your life. If you've ever thought, I believe in Jesus, I go to church, I mean, I'm at a Christmas service for crying out loud, but my life is not working. Could it be that you have set it up wrong? That even though Jesus is in the scene, is it possible that you have removed him from the center? See, this is so easy to do. See, for some of you, who you have at the center, it's the shepherds. You have the shepherds at the center. See, the shepherds' jobs defined them. They worked with animals, which meant that they were considered unclean, that they were social and spiritual outcasts. And so their jobs are the center of their lives. Now, we're the same way. Whenever you meet someone, what is the first question they ask you? So what do you do? The reason we do this is because we don't know what else to say. But we equate what we do with who we are. And this is always awkward for me because I'm a pastor. And whenever I tell people that I'm a pastor, it shuts down the conversation. (laughs) Nobody knows what to say after that. And then I can look at them and I can tell that they are recounting the entire conversation. It's like, how many times did I cuss? Did I say anything inappropriate? (laughs) I love what I do for a living, but it's not my identity. Maybe what you do has become your identity. And there is nothing wrong with loving your job. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells us that when you work, you ought to work with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. It just shouldn't be at the center. So let me just move these back in their place. Maybe for you, who you have in the center is maybe it's the wise men. Now, the wise men were highly educated. They were these powerful political advisors, and they were wealthy. Just think about their gifts that they brought. These guys right here, they represent wealth and knowledge and influence and power. Now, nobody ever says, I'm putting my hope in money, or power, or education. Nobody says that. But the truth is, a lot of us live our lives as if those things are the most important thing to us. See, there's nothing wrong with money. But the Bible says, don't put your hope in money, which is so uncertain. See, all of those things are great. They just shouldn't be at the center. So we'll move these guys back over. Maybe for some of you, you have Mary and Joseph at the center. They represent family. This is your relationships. This is your marriage. This is your kids. See, this even sounds right. Family first. And so we move them to the center of our lives. If you're single, you might be tempted to think, if I find the right person, then I'll be happy. And everyone who's married knows that does not happen. (laughs) Because what happens is you get married, and then that person doesn't make you happy, and so you think that you've married the wrong person. Because you are trying to fill the void with something that only God was intended to fill. Or maybe you have kids. And here's the number one fear of every single parent. The number one fear is that you're going to screw up your kids. 
So in our attempt to make them feel loved and supported, everything revolves around them and their activities. So there's no time for church. There's no time to model the spiritual life. And while Jesus is in the picture, he's no longer at the center. See, family ought to be a priority. You're here with your families. It just shouldn't be at the center. Well, I have one last one. That for some of you, we put these guys at the center. And you say, my pet is not at the center. I have seen your Instagram post. Your pets are at the center. And this is what some of your nativities look like right here. And some of you right now are going to go home and dress your pets up so you can make a new Instagram post today. Let's just say that that this represents all of the other things. It's the sports teams that we're fanatical about. It's golf. It's working out. It's vacation homes. It's boats. See, all of those things are great. They just can't be at the center of your life. Your life can't revolve around them. See, when you have your hope in a football team, it is going to let you down quickly, especially if you're a Cowboys fan. Okay, okay, just come back with me, Cowboys fans. Come back with me. This stuff just starts to matter more to us than it really should. So we have to reorder our lives. And relationships are great. Jobs are important and fulfilling. Having money is great. It just shouldn't have you. See, when your life is not set up right, nothing is right. But when your life is set up right, it not only looks right, it works right. And Jesus has to be at the center. See, the characters of the Christmas story get this right. You look at the shepherds. The shepherds are the very first to receive the announcement of anybody Here are these outcasts, and they are the first ones to receive the announcement. And here's what it says in Luke chapter 2 as it talks about the shepherds. It says, when the angels had left, left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard about it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. There's something that I realized this week that I had never seen before. The shepherds left their sheep to go see Jesus. They risked their jobs because this good news of great joy was so compelling that this good news of great joy was worth everything to them. Well, then we have the Magi. And the story of the Magi is found in Matthew chapter 2. And it says this. It says, The Magi went on their way, 
And the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and look at this. And they bowed down and worshipped him. These powerful advisors to the king, they are actually the ones who would install a new king. They bowed down and worshiped Jesus. See, when you realize who Jesus is, it's the appropriate response. It is the only appropriate response. We have four accounts of Jesus' life, four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. My brother knew a family that had four sons in their family, and they named their sons Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Bill. (laughs) I guess they didn't like the name John. I I don't know. Now, why Matthew and Luke give the details of the birth of Jesus, John gives the significance of the birth of Jesus. And after the resurrection, tradition tells us that John took care of Mary, the mother of Jesus, for the rest of her life. So if anyone heard about the birth narrative, it was John. John got to ask all those questions you would like to ask. Like, what did your mama say when you came home pregnant? What was that first conversation like with Joseph? What about the angels? What was that really like? And here's what John says about the significance of the birth of Jesus. He says, through him, talking about Jesus, Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. If you want to make sense of everything in your life, then you look to the one who created it. He knows that everything finds its purpose in Christ and through Christ. And when Jesus takes the center position of your life, it changes everything. So here's the question you have to ask. Here's the question that you have to answer for yourself. What would it look like for you to get up tomorrow with Jesus as the center of your life? What would that look like for you? How would your dating relationship change? Maybe you have struggles in your marriage. What would happen if Jesus became the center of your marriage? How would your parenting change? How would you show up at school when it's time to go back? What would change in your finances if Jesus were the center? See, maybe you have never invited Jesus to be the center of your life. Here's the thing. You have to invite him. He will not force his way into your life. He knocks on the door of your heart. He knocks on the door of your life, and he waits for you to open the door. It was over 40 years ago on a Christmas Eve service that changed everything for me. Because it was at that Christmas Eve service that I surrendered my life to Jesus and I was baptized. I was in elementary school. And then when I was a teenager, while Jesus was in my life, he was no longer the center of my life. 
And I made this life-defining decision to put him back in the center, and it changed everything for me. And I want the same thing for you. The reason that I collect nativities from all over the world is because they show the nativity in that cultural context. My nativity from Ecuador has Mary and Joseph in sombreros. My nativity that comes from Uganda has Mary and Joseph inside a grass hut in this African culture. And I think that is exactly the message of Christmas, that Jesus came for you. He came into your world, that he can relate to your life. But you have to make the decision to invite him in, to put him at the center, or to put him back at the center. Look how the Apostle Paul, excuse me, the Apostle John goes on to talk about this. He says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The true light that gives light to everyone. See, you are that everyone. The true light came into the world. Jesus is that true light that shines into your darkness. That Jesus is life. And he wants to be the light of your life. You will never make sense of life until you put him back at the center. See, maybe you grew up going to church but you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You've never put him at the center of your life. Well, I want to give you the opportunity to do that today. To start a relationship with Jesus. To put him at the center. To put your faith in Jesus. I also want to talk to those of you who have never been baptized. See, baptism represents the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. See, we die into Christ, that our old life is gone, that your old mistakes are gone, your sins are washed away forever. And then we rise up out of the water to live this brand new life for Jesus. See, the best way for me to understand baptism, it's like the wedding ceremony for a believer. See, there's a lot that goes into a relationship before you get married. But when you get married, you're saying, I'm in till death do us part. And that's what baptism is for a follower of Jesus, saying, I'm in till death do us part. Jesus is going to be my Lord and my Savior. And we're going to be doing baptisms after this service. You can be baptized today. You can just meet our team right over here. We have everything ready for you. We have swimming trunks. We have T-shirts. We have towels. We have everything you need. What better way for you to celebrate Christmas than to making Jesus the center of your life? It's the time that I was baptized. I have remembered that for the rest of my life. So here's what I want to invite you to do, if you're willing, is just to bow your heads. And I just want to lead you in a moment of prayer. And like the wise men who bowed down before Jesus to worship him, 
I want to help you do that. For some of you, you've been trying to earn your way to Jesus. You've been trying to earn your way to God. And you cannot earn your way. It is a free gift. It is for everyone who believes. It is for everyone who wants to make Jesus the center of their life. And so I want to give you an opportunity to start a relationship with Jesus right now. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And you're not saved by prayer. You're saved by Jesus. But I want to give you a tangible first step. So just between you and God, if you're ready to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, just say this. Say, God, I am putting Jesus at the center of my life. I am surrendering my life to him. I'm asking Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. God, all over this room, there's people who are praying that for the first time. God, and you know their story. You know what they've been through. You know what's going on in them, God, and I know you want to meet them right in their life. You want to be the true light that brings light into their darkness. Jesus, we thank you for coming to this earth for us. That you came as a baby in a manger, but you grew up to be a man who died on the cross. We want you to be the center of our lives again. So we give ourselves to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.